Vigilio, and this is Frederick Uncut. Today we'll be talking about the research shutdown at the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, as well as two 600-pound pumpkins in Urbana. But first we'll be talking about going to the movies while you are deaf. This segment will have a video recording accompanying it, which can be found online at fredericknewspost.com. According to a 2016 annual report from the Maryland Governor's Office for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, approximately 1.2 million Maryland residents are deaf. Here in Frederick County, we have the Maryland School for the Deaf. One of the obstacles facing those in our deaf community is going to the movies. While there are options, such as glasses and open caption screenings, each have their own pros and cons. I spoke with Frederick County resident Trudy Suggs, who is deaf, about going to the movies with her husband and children, who are also deaf. So I'm here with Trudy Suggs, and she's a member of our Frederick community, um, and she's here to talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges with going to the movies. So Trudy, I was hoping you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself. When did you come to Frederick? Sure. I moved to the great town of Frederick in 2014. I'm from Illinois originally, but I lived in Minnesota for about 13 years. We moved here because of the Maryland School for the Deaf. It's a great school. I have four children that are deaf, and my husband is deaf also, and he teaches at the Maryland School for the Deaf. We decided to move here to Maryland, and it's one of the best decisions of our lives, truly. Truly it was. My husband works at the Maryland School for the Deaf, as I said, and I own TS Writing Services. It's writing, editing. Um, ASL to English translation services and we work with over 3,000 clients ever since its founding uh, in, in 2003. So that's pretty much summarizes what my family does. Um, so when we moved here to Frederick I learned about the accessible movie theaters and that's why we're here obviously today and I'm looking forward to talking about the great things and the challenges about movie accessibility. So let's first by just talking about the Frederick community overall. Do you find that it's friendly to those in the deaf community? Yes, super friendly. Um, When I lived in Minnesota, I lived in Fairbault, Minnesota. Very small town, I mean a really tiny town, about 23,000 people. So when people say that Frederick is a small town, I, I have to chuckle because this is like a city to me. I was concerned about Frederick's uh, overall respect towards the deaf community because up in Fairbault, uh, Minnesota, yes, it's a small town with a huge deaf community. There's a residential school for the deaf there. Everyone signs. Uh, Nobody gawks or looks at us when we're signing. It's just normal. Um, And when I moved here to Frederick, I remember the first evening I was here, I went to Target to get some things for our new house, you know. And my kids at the time were five, four, three, and two. So of course, you know, I'm in Target grabbing the, you know, thing, items, and dealing with the children. And one woman signed to us, she was a hearing lady, and she said, oh, your children are so beautiful. And I said, sometimes. And I thought that would be the end of our conversation, but she kept dialoguing with me in American Sign Language, and I was very impressed. That was my first realization of how wonderful the de- and deaf-friendly Frederick is, and I brag about it to everyone in the world. It's a wonderful community. 
everyone signs or knows a little bit of sign language or knows how to communicate with us. They, they're not in shock when they see deaf people signing or, you know, my, de my deaf kids play with other kids on the team. Uh, they're hearing and deaf playing together. It is wonderful. All right, awesome. But so we hear a little bit talk about the movie theaters. So before you came to Frederick, was this an option? Sort of. Um, I'm of that generation that was born prior to captioning being available on TV. So I remember when I was five or six watching TV without captioning. And my mother, my mother is deaf also, but she has uh, understandable speech. So when I was little, I feel bad now, but I remember when my father and I would force my mother to sit in front of the TV to try to interpret everything that was happening on the TV. Poor mom, mom couldn't hear. She tried to look at the TV and lip read. Do you realize how hard that was for her? And as we, I grew up, we started having captioning on the TV and I remember the excitement that, that we had. We were finally able to watch TV shows, although on a very limited basis. Now, when I grew up, uh, probably when I went to the mid, uh, in the mid 90s, I went to college, there was open captioned movies. It was wonderful. Deaf people flocked to the theaters. The theaters would be full of deaf people. It was great to see old friends who were deaf and my mother didn't have to interpret anymore for us, and obviously, and she could sit there and absolutely enjoy the movie herself. And then movie theaters out there tried to look ways, look for ways to save costs. Um, and people were always trying to make um, quick cash. So lots of people out there uh, invented new devices for us to use. And that's when DVDs, Netflix started to prolifer proliferate and people stopped going to open caption movies. That plus, you know, back then in the early two 2000s, the movie theaters would tend to show uh, their shows, their movies on a limited time. Sometimes like early on Sunday morning, late, late on in the evenings, occasionally during the weekdays. So we had to fit their schedule, not them fitting our schedule. So things kind of fell apart after that. And, and so, so that was it in a nutshell. So in Fairbault, Minnesota, we had a movie theater that, had, that offered open caption films, but we had the same problem. They chose the movies that were not family friendly, or they would choose movies that were of a specific target audience, not the general population. So the movie theater eventually shut down their open captioned program because they said that they did not have enough interest. It was a, a setup for failure. So when I moved here to Maryland, and Frederick in specific, I found the Westview Regal Theater. They had captioned glasses, and I oh, this is interesting. There was one guy, Mark Glennon, who really promoted and posted on Facebook and informed the public about ca open captioned on movies. Plus, we had the options of wearing these um, glasses to watch the captions. Mark then moved away, then Nan Balsley took over. Westview had the option where you could go to see an open captioned movie or wear glasses. Do you want me to talk about that? Shall I go ahead and talk about that? Yeah, that'd be great. Can you explain the difference between open caption and these devices? 
Sure. Please free to, uh, feel free to jump in at any time. Um, yes. Um, actually, there's three methods, uh, three kinds. We have the glasses, like we have here. Um, it's very awkward. It's almost like they're cheap plastic glasses that you wear with a, a wire with a box that's that you plug your glasses into. So when I arrive at the movie theater, I have to enter and I ask them uh, for the glasses. I have to sign a paper. Now some movie theaters will require you to give your driver's license to them to hold. But here they only ask you to sign your name, address, and I see all the names of all the other people who have checked out the glasses and I'm able to see where they live too. So that's kind of, um, giving out proprietary information. So then you go into the theater, you sit there, and you have to make sure the box it works right, make sure it's charged, make sure you're in the right theater. Sometimes you'll see the captions of the theater that's next to you. You have to make the adjustments on your glasses to see. Sometimes they're dirty because you can see other smears or fingerprints from the previous users. And then you have the wire to deal it with. Last time my family uh, and I went to see the uh, uh, the movies with the glasses, we went, we dropped them off and we went out of the theater. We all had red lines underneath our eyes, on the temples, and on our uh, bridge of our noses. So it was very bothersome. So I joke and say that that was the mark of a deaf person, having these red marks coming out of the theater. That's one option. And the other option was having um, something that, you know how the seats have a drink, a cup holder? There's a plastic piece that reflects the captions from the rear of the theater. And it has its pros and cons, and you have to adjust it, and sometimes you have to sit back and you have to sit up to make sure that the glass is um, showing the captions, and then where do you put your drink? So the third is open caption with for anybody to watch without any adjustments. Nobody, you know, when people see me wearing the glasses or with this other rear uh, viewing captions, they know I'm deaf. But this, we're all equal on this playing field watching the captions on the screen. And in Frederick, do they offer enough open caption viewings? Um, yeah, it depends on who you're asking. You know, f do I go to the theater often? I don't. I have four children. It gets pretty expensive. But I do know some people who go regularly, and many feel that they would like to see more offerings. I'm okay with where we are now, personally. I just wish we had more um, confirmation of open captioned movies. Nan does a wonderful job of publicizing this. Um, he has a newsletter that he sends out, um, Facebook page where we can decide if we want to go to watch this movie or not. And I, I constantly look at that page and the schedules are pretty good. I wish they had more viewings um, during the day. Like on Saturdays, they only offer it one time a day, not three or four time slots. So I have to rearrange our family schedule to fit the theater schedule. And is it easy enough to take your children to the movies? Um, it just depends, again. Um, a good example of that is my children wanted to watch a specific movie. I can't remember the title. It was last week. They wanted to see this movie. I checked, and there were no open captions offered until this coming weekend. I don't know. It may have been Lion King. I'm not certain. 
Um, and that, yes, that was last week, and they wanted to see, see Lion King, but our kids are away at camp, and they the only option was to go on a Saturday evening or a Sunday in the afternoon, but we were leaving for camp, and so it wasn't a huge problem, but I do appreciate the fact that we have open captions at all. And if it doesn't fit, our schedule doesn't fit their schedule, we can always go get the uh, glasses. My son refuses, absolutely refuses to wear the glasses. He complains. He's nine years old. He says it hurts his nose. And what about the special viewings like 3D or IMAX? Do they offer open caption for those? Um, that's a very good question. I have to check with Na Nan on that. I did attend, no, it wasn't open captioned. I went to that, um, the rear viewing in, in an IMAX theater in Minnesota um, years ago. It was not comfortable. You had this, you know, 3D or, or like surround theater, whatever. And I had to adjust, constantly adjust the um, rear viewing captioned device. I did not enjoy the movie. I had to constantly be uh, adjusting as I was watching the movie. And so what steps could movie theaters take to be more friendly and, and have better services? Many. I, I think they're making this, the step in the right direction with uh, working closely with NAT. Um, that's more than other theaters. So I really appreciate that about the Westview Regal Theater. But Nat does this sort of volunteer basis. He does this all on a volunteer basis. So I would hope that the Regal could take on more responsibility in, um, at the same time, Nat or anyone who is in that role would have a, that has a strong connection to the deaf community. I think maybe they could send out a survey to the deaf community locally, not here just in Frederick, but in the surrounding area in Frederick County to see what people want to see more of. Again, you're serving a variety of audiences. You have a family, like my family. You have adults who want to see adult-type movies, adult-rated movies. So the whole gamut, I think they should maybe try to send out a survey to the community to see what it is that they want and what is missing. And the third challenge or problem, however you want to you, you say it, um, before I moved here or right after I moved here to Frederick, one of my friends said that they went to a movie theater and they were disappointed because the glasses ran out, even though they had a lot of deaf people there. They were expecting a lot of deaf people at the theater. They ran out, and the people who were using the glasses were actually hearing people, um, like hearing children who had deaf parents or hearing friends of deaf people. They decided, or, or even ASL students, they decided to get the glasses and put them on and wear them. So how do you solve that dilemma? I, I don't know. You can't prove people, you can't ask people to prove that they're deaf and that they need the glasses. And I think the theaters need to be a little bit more respectful of the deaf people's needs for these particular um, glasses. And a few weeks ago, uh, number four, it's advertised as a open caption movie and a lot of deaf people were there in attendance. And the worker at the, uh, the ticket counter said, no, it's not open captioned. It was canceled. I, I was shocked. I, I asked why, and 
fortunately, they had seven or eight glasses, and my family is a family of six, plus my parents, which meant eight. So fortunately, we got the last eight of those glasses. And I saw a lot of my other friends arriving later on, and there were no glasses to be had. They would not, the theater would not give them their money back. They reserved their tickets online. And I saw a lot of people in the theater sitting there upset, and they were trying to argue for a refund, but they couldn't get that. And they eventually opened the captioning. And I'm not sure what happened, but hopefully that won't happen again in the future. And the theater can communicate with their workers about uh, the importance of knowing if the, the if the movie is open captioned or not. What about just going to the movie theater? Is it easy enough to get a ticket, get food, talk to people? In regards of open captioning or the glasses or just in general showing up at a theater? Just in general. Again, it depends. It depends on the time and the day. In the fall, last fall, when my children went back to school, much to my relief, I have to say, the first thing I did was I ran to the theater and I watched Crazy Rich Asians, that movie. It was very easy. I went uh, early afternoon during the school day. No one was there. And that was easy for me. The glasses, you know, and, 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 and you know, putting pressure on my nose, you know, is, is fine. What movie, popular movie theater is, is there? And the glasses, do they always work? No, they do not. Um, no, as I said in the Frederick newspaper article, John Craig said that, you know, sometimes the captioning will disappear in the middle of the movie, and that for sure happens quite frequently. It could be because the wire is loose, or the batteries are dead, or for whatever reason. Um, the other thing, it might be trivial, but a, the one thing about the glasses, yes, they can be dirty, they can have smudges and fingerprints from the previous users, but if the ch my children who are deaf want something, they tap me on the shoulder, I look down, I can't see them, so I have to pick up the glasses, put them on top of my head and then sign and communicate with them back and forth. But again, I appreciate what we have, but I don't want to say that, you know, say that something is better than nothing. We want to have equal access to the theater and seeing movies. And are the glasses one size fit all or do they have kid sizes? <laughs> That's a very good question. No, it's one size fits all. So do you ever find you have issues not being able to see because the glasses are too big or too small? Yes, my uh, last daughter, my fourth daughter, my kids are tall for their age. And my um, little girl who was about five or six, she put the glasses on and then put them down and she watched the movie without captioning. And I said, you don't mind? You don't mind not knowing what's going on? She says, no, I'm just making up the story. I would rather that than have to wear these glasses. And, and that's how I grew up, really. I just imagined watching a movie, imagined what the dialogue was, but not now. I am spoiled. I need to know what's being said, what's happening, and I've been spoiled for the last 20 years. And are there any other local theaters that you can go to? No. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you remember that they had that, um, it was a cheap, it was film called Holiday, the, ha, next to Motel 6, it was, a, it was a holiday theater. It closed down, I believe, last year. 
they had dollar or two dollar movies. Um, we couldn't ever go there because there were never uh, captions shown on the, the, on the films. There's others, um, other theaters in Rockville and Germantown that have it, but right now the only one that is available to us is Regal in Westfield. And do those movies sell out? And it depends, again. Um, again, for example, Toy Story. I've seen every one of the four repeatedly, and I love Toy Story movies. So when they first announced that Toy Story was coming out, I decided to wait until they had open captions. Because I knew wearing the glasses, uh, they would run out. And so it depends. And what about um, big blockbusters, like any of the Marvel movies? Do you find you end up getting spoiled because you can't go to a movie in time? That's right. Regal's pretty good. I mean, Westview is pretty good about providing open captions right there um, at their location. I have to admit, I am pretty impressed with Regal. So that's good for them. But yes, sometimes I worry if it's not open captioned and I don't want to go on this particular night. And one other thing I need to add, it may sound silly, but some people really value their privacy. So if they go to an open captioned movie, guaranteed they're going to see other people in the community that they may not want to see. So, um, you know, we all have those people who were like, oh, oh them again. Um, not so much about that for me, but sometimes if I want to be alone, I can't because I'll be guaranteed to see someone else who is deaf in the deaf community um, at the movie theater. But if I want to go and be alone, I would go with the glasses. So that's the lesser of the two evils. All right. Well, I don't think I have any other questions, but anything else you think we should know? Yes, um, I really appreciate that the Frederick uh, Post is bringing attention to this issue, and I really am very appreciative of Regal providing this. And as I said, I grew up, the first few years of my life, I remember what it's like without access to the theater and movies. So I really appreciate the fact that my children have no idea what it's like not to have access, and I do appreciate that. So thank you for bringing your attention to this issue. Of course. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. So we wanted to speak to the reporter behind this story to find out more about why she wanted to write this story and how she was able to tell it. So welcome. Thank you, Heather. My name is uh, Rebecca Duke Wiesenberg, but everyone just calls me Becky. Um, and yeah, so I'm an intern for the Frederick News Post this summer, and I wrote I wrote this story because... Um, I had first, I first came across this story on Facebook, on, you know, the event section of Facebook. And I thought it was really interesting to see open, open caption screenings because I've never heard of it before. But then when I first got talking to Nat Balsley, who's the, who's the head of the Facebook group, Frederick Deaf Moviegoers, um, you know, and asking him about, you know, why, why is it important for him that open captions are offered at the movie theater? I thought, wow, you know, it's something that I'd never thought about before. I mean, my mom likes to have captions because, you know, she's distracted while watching movies and, like, her hearing isn't good because she's older. But I had never thought about it on such a large scale, you know, like our local movie theaters providing it. Yeah. 
And so what were some of the challenges in reporting this story? Um, Well, my biggest challenge was getting in contact with Regal Cinemas because the policy is um, is that like local locations, so like Westview Cinemas in, oh, thanks, Graham. Westview Cinemas uh, here on in Ballinger Creek, they're not allowed to talk to us on the record. You have to contact corporate. However, corporate doesn't, it's very hard to contact corporate directly. Like they're, you know, they provide a phone number for media, but you have to do a lot of digging online to find it. And then when you call them, they don't always answer. So maybe I left I think I called six or seven times before I got someone on the phone. Um, and when I finally did, you know, he was receptive, Richard Grover, who's quoted in the article. But that was definitely the biggest challenge because I thought, you know, this article isn't showing the worst. Like Regal Cinemas is doing something positive for the deaf community. I mean, obviously, there's strides they can take, like providing better closed captioning devices. But yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they want to answer the phone and talk about it? So. And what about talking with Trudy and Nat? What's some of the ways that you were able to communicate with them? Oh, so I did it. So I first found Nat over Facebook when I messaged the Frederick Deaf Moviegoers page. Um, but with him, and with him, I used through text message. And then with Trudy, I used email because that's what she preferred. Um, now, at least according to Nat, she preferred that over texting. And then I also texted with John. Yeah. And now you yourself do not... Use ASL, correct? No, I mean for the story because I think it's really important when you're doing a story that you know you get a lot of background information. You understand why. So I mean I researched a bit of ASL so I could understand a bit more of the grammar. Um, but no, I don't really speak any ASL. Not yet. Mm-hmm. One day. And as someone who does do a lot of um, translation yeah. and. Um, speaking in different languages, why is it so important that we as reporters do speak with people who don't necessarily just speak English? Yeah, well, I think, so, like, right now, you know, where our society is becoming, well, like, different types of diversity are becoming more acceptable in the mainstream, or at least they're becoming part of our discourse. Um, So, like, sexual, you know, issues about, like, sexuality, race, gender, religion, ethnicity, but one that's not frequently discussed is language. And, you know, we're community reporters. We're here because we care about the voices of our community. We are part of the community. And we know that everyone's voice matters, not just our own. So we should be more inclusive. Like, we should have as many voices as possible in the paper. So in order to do that, because we know that not everyone speaks the same language, you know, not everyone feels it's the same. Not everyone feels the same. Not everyone looks the same. Not everyone speaks the same way. So we should be able, you know, to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to be able to communicate, even if it's just to say, hello, how are you? I don't, you know, I don't speak X language very well, which I do all the time, and it makes people laugh, too. So because it gets people more comfortable and lets them know that, you know, the reporters really are someone like them. Okay, and you grew up in Frederick, um, and we have a pretty sizable population who is deaf here in Frederick. Why is it so important that we do include um, that population in our reporting here at the Frederick News Post? Well, I mean, because why not? Like, I know that if someone were to tell me, Becky, you know, I don't want to put you in your story because you speak English and you prefer, prefer English, I would say, well, why do you think that the way that I prefer to express myself is not is not valid or is not worthy of being heard? Of course my voice matters. And so so does someone else who's, you know, who's deaf or hard of hearing or someone who prefers ASL for whatever reason. 
too. Perfect. Yeah. Well, um, everyone can read Becky's article yes. in the Frederick News Post at fredericknewspost.com. Yeah. And Becky, thank you so much for coming in to talk about reporting this story. Yes. Thank you. For those who don't know, USAMRIT is a bunch of laboratories on Fort Detrick. And no, we're not going to spell out USAMRIT again because it's quite a long thing. But the most important thing you need to know is that these um, laboratories here on Fort Detrick are some of the biosafety level three and biosafety level four laboratories, which basically means that they are specially protected in the sense that a lot of the people who are working in these biosafety level three and fours are handling high level pathogens. We're talking Ebola. Uh, Venezuelan equine encephalitis, um, in some cases anthrax, basically things that are um, can cause a lot of uh, security risks in the sense that they are, can get out and harm a lot of people. Um, no one wants Ebola going around Fort Detrick. And so a couple days ago, we heard that uh, the CDC, um, the Centers for Disease Control and Pre- uh, Prevention, came to USAMRIT um, in June and they inspected it. This is something that happens throughout the year. Sometimes it's an announced uh, visit, sometimes it's not. But they found that they were violating a lot of the safety uh, protocols, um, especially when it came to decontaminating some of their water. And this stems back from a May 2018 flood that we had talked about before on this uh, podcast and also in our newspaper. But USAMRID was affected. They um, had a lot of problems with their sterilization afterwards. So they moved to a new system, but that new system clearly is not holding up to what the CDC protocols are. So right now, a lot of things are up in the air. Um, it's unclear how this is going to affect grants, how unclear it's going to affect um, their work, um, especially with Ebola. Right now, we are facing the second largest outbreak of Ebola, and who just declared that a couple weeks ago. So USAMRID was one of the people working on that, so such as some of the vaccines that we talk about. So it's unclear how that's all going to affect it. This is going to be a much larger story and that we're going to continue to be following. Um, but it was kind of a breaking news situation here because uh, losing one of these laboratories can cause a lot of issues for those people who are working on a lot of grants for these rare diseases. Um, and also, we want to know what's going on with there's problems with safety at uh, Fort Detrick. I do want to make it very clear that when we talked to Corey Vander Linden, who is the PIO at uh, USAMRID, she mentioned that no uh, infectious agents such as Ebola um, or any of the other ones that I mentioned had been detected outside a containment area. So there's no need for mass hype or panic right now. They are, um, it's mostly focusing on some of the protocols that they weren't following. Earlier this week, News Post reporter Hannah Himes and I traveled out to Urbana to talk with the Ohop family, who are growing two giant pumpkins in their front yard. There's a white one and an orange one and a guard dog, or rather a gourd guard, named Zed. We got to speak with the Ohops a little bit about the pumpkins. Um, Mr. Ohop showed us around the yard and showed us around the pumpkins, telling us a little bit about how they get irrigated um, and how they protect the pumpkins to allow them to grow so big. And later, Hannah spoke with both of them about how they got into growing pumpkins. So if you just want to tell me a little bit about what this pumpkin is and how big it is and kind of where it's situated in your yard. So the pumpkins are in the uh, front yard. As you come into the driveway, uh, the pumpkin is that we're looking at now is the orange pumpkin, which is about six, 550 pounds right now, sitting on a bed of sand with a board underneath it so that it drains underneath and doesn't rot from the water. Um, the pumpkin plant is about 35 feet long, the main stem, um, and then there are side stems that 
go out about 10 feet on either side. Uh, you're looking to have a square footage of plant for each pumpkin of about 750 square feet. And you have to fertilize it pretty constantly. Initially you fertilize it with a lot of nitrogen and then now that we have large fruits you fertilize with potassium. And how often do you water them? So they're on an automatic timer with drip irrigation and it uh, goes on three times a day uh, for about two hours. Um, that that overwaters them but it drains out because they're in a a bed of mostly compost so the water drains right through uh, and they're on a hill so it drains out. So the white pumpkin is uh, a little over 600 pounds now by measurement. Uh, it's also on a board with sand. Um, we keep the pumpkins covered typically 24 hours because if you don't have them covered the sun will make the skin hard and limit the size that the pumpkin can grow to. Other than that, same thing happened with this pumpkin. The white pumpkin actually we started the seed about two weeks before the orange pumpkin because we got those seed, the seeds for it first. Um, and we only got one seed for the orange pumpkin but we were able to get it to germinate and on the orange pumpkin plant we only got one pumpkin. So we have one pumpkin that actually took but it's doing pretty well and on the uh, white pumpkin we got about four pumpkins in total in fact we just had one start the other day that we cut off but uh, the first one uh, didn't split and that's one of the things that you have to worry about with the pumpkins because they grow so quickly um, they'll actually split and then they just rot so we were, we're actually pretty fortunate to be at this point and not have them split yet. As Daya was saying, her brother was telling her he had a pumpkin that measured out to 470 pounds and then it's, it's split. So anything can happen between now and you know the end of the season. So we could have a great big pumpkin and it's split and then everything's gone to, uh, to naught. But we've had a great time. So. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.